evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Turn Left. I am your host, Indiana's own Dana Black, coming to you live, yes, all the way live from Black Pearl Studios, where we talk about Indiana politics from the left side of things. Well, I could start off all negative and whatnot, and I could be all in my feelings, but did y'all see the week that I had last week? It was a thrill of a lifetime to be at the CBC conference, to be able to meet the people that I read about and, and study about and have learned about and all the things that they are doing for Americans all over the country. Black people, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful black people in all of our excellence descending on Washington as elected officials and candidates and consultants and all the things that matter to getting more and more black folk elected to office around the country. I mean, the, some of the spaces that I got to be in, first of all, I got to give a shout out to my CEO at ActBlue, Regina Wallace-Jones. Had I not been staffing her, I would not have been able to be in the spaces that we were in. And she knew enough people was like, well, do you want to go meet them? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm not going to turn that down. Yes, please take me to meet Simone Sanders Townsend. That would be great. Please, please take me to Secretary Fudge's reception. And shout out, shout out to all the Indianapolis folk, uh, Lacey Johnson and all the crew from Indianapolis that were hosting Secretary Fudge's reception. I mean, but y'all, you know, I talk about, you know, I go to D.C. so I can get recharged so I can come back to Indiana and do all the things that I need to do. I'm going to get to go to D.C. twice this year. Once for black people, next time for my rainbow people. Yes, I'll be in later on this year for victory. But being in these spaces where people who are committed and have committed their lives to improving the lives of their fellow, fellow humanity has been awesome. History makers, I got to kick it with. History makers at all levels. Our party leader got to meet Jamie Harrison and have like this amazing, amazing conversation with Jamie Harrison. I'm telling y'all, if you ever get a chance to go, whether you're a black person or an ally, go, connect, kick it. Shout out to my congressman and everybody in his office for making sure that Indiana's on when I got there, I, I knew where to go, I knew where to hang out. They made sure I had tickets to the hottest hip hop event. I mean, I'm, I'm still on a natural high and my feet have not touched the ground from my wonderful, wonderful first experience at the Congressional Black Caucus Convention. I hope everybody that hears my voice, whether you live in Indiana, Illinois, Mississippi, California, if you ever dreamed of, and you are a political junkie like me, and you see the work that these folks are doing around the country, that you get to be in those spaces and ask those questions and, and put, bend the ear of the people who are, who are shaking, shaping democracy in America. I'm telling you, I try to, yes, I tried to capture as many selfies as I could. Don't be mad. I mean, I'm a groupie. What can I say? I'm a groupie. I wanted all the selfies, but also I hope it inspires you. Right. If you can see that the loudest gay is black is Democrat from Indiana, 
can be rubbing elbows with the most powerful and influential people around our country, then you can do it too. Everybody has an opportunity to do what they do the way they do it. And that's all I want to do is just hang out and, and just share with y'all like so that y'all are inspired to do what, what you love. Inspire you to be in the spaces that you want to be in. And do you know how I got there? Do you know how I got there? I literally sent a Slack to my CEO and I was like, yo, I know you want a fun loving, somewhat talkative and loud, maybe slightly obnoxious associate to come hang out with you. And she said, yeah. Oh, I knew all she could say was no, but I advocated for myself because I, it was, this was something that I wanted to do. And she said, yeah. And it turned out to be one of the most amazing life-changing experiences of my entire life. And I hope that each and every one of you has the opportunity to experience what brings you uh, ultimate joy as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm sharing a little pics. I sure am. Cause I'm proud of the time I got to spend with these people. And I just want to share it with y'all. Uh, I was super stoked and had an amazing time, but time to get back down to business. The Indiana Capitol Chronicle reports. When the U.S. Senate last week voted to confirm the nation's newest, highest-ranking military officer, Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, wasn't among Air Force General Charles Q. Brown Jr.'s supporters. Instead, he was one of 11 votes against, at odds with Indiana State Sen Senior Senator Todd Young and most of the rest of the chamber. As chairman of the Joint Chief of Staffs, a body composed of U.S.'s most senior military leaders, Brown will be the president's principal military advisor. He replaces Army General Mark Milley. Braun said he disagreed with Brown's policy priorities. He said we have to prioritize effectiveness, effectiveness over ideology in our military. Brown, a career fighter pilot, joined the Air Force. Brown joined the Air Force in 1984. He's been in the military since 1984, but because this guy, this Air Force guy is awake and alive and thinking, Senator Braun doesn't want him. The reason why I even tell this story today is because Senator Braun is running to be governor of, the United, of, of Indiana. So if he doesn't want woke ideology in the military, you know he's not gonna want woke ideology in Indiana. Now, where have we seen this before? Huh? Florida. We've seen this. This is Mike Braun, y'all. This is the guy that wants to lead our state. He wants y'all to have y'all's head in the sand. He don't want you to be awake because he's anti-woke. So the opposite of woke is sleep. Trust me, he's going to come after the imaginary CRT. He's going to try to erase LGBTQ plus folk, black history, and all the other things. He's telling you that by his votes. He's displaying who he is by his votes. And that's how he's going to run Indiana. I don't know about you, but I'm a little worried. I'm worried that he could be our next governor. Because he doesn't believe that every citizen has a right to exist. And every view has a right to exist. Only his views. Only his ideology. Now, mind you, you got another clown in Tuberville holding up all the votes, stunting military's readiness, because he doesn't believe that a woman should have a right to choose what happens to her body. He doesn't believe in body autonomy. So they were doing one-off votes. 
one at a time. And this guy is saying, well, I don't want to, I don't believe in his policy, so I don't want him to be the Joint Chief. Doesn't matter that he's been in the military since 1984. Doesn't matter he's rose up to the ranks, has all the hours flying, has done all the work, and has, is well qualified for the job. He's qualified for the job. But because his ideas differ, not that he's not qualified, but because his ideas are different than Senator Braun, he voted against him. Remember that, y'all. When you vote next year and you start hearing these clowns talk about what's important in Indiana. And it's now, we only two weeks away from early voting. I think it'll be time for me to start going in on one Jefferson Shreve. Indianapolis mayoral race is the most prominent race, municipal race in the state because it is the largest city and it has the most consequential implications for the state if the wrong person is leading Indianapolis. And here's my, here's my first point, y'all. And I'm going to have different points each week. Do you think at this point Republicans are, they, they know how to like think for themselves yet? Do you think Republicans in Indiana specifically will go against the grain of the Republican Party? They're literally running an impeachment hearing right now with no evidence. No evidence. If Jefferson Shreve gets a hold of Indianapolis, which overwhelmingly voted 70% for Joe Hogsett four years ago, and gets a chance to get his tentacles in our city, do you not think it's going to be detrimental to our city? We do not want what's happening in a state house to happen to Indianapolis. So guys, pay attention to what's happening. Pay attention to what's going on. I'm going to give you a little few more nuggets as the weeks go on to tell you why I think you should not vote for Jefferson Street. But in the meantime, y'all, keep your eyes and ears open and stay woke. Don't go to sleep. Don't let these clowns make you feel like you have to be asleep in the world so they can pull the wool over your eyes. Understand the issues. Understand what matters. Because these clowns, these clowns will gaslight you into submission. All right, that's my rant. Now it's time to hear from my favorite sponsor, my only sponsor, Booms Unique Boutique. Today's show is brought to you by Booms Unique Boutique. Click on the QR code. And for all Turn Left listeners, you can get a 10% discount on your order by using the code DEMOCRAT. Be sure to visit www.bomesuniqueboutique.com. All right. All right. Thank you, Bums Unique Boutique, for being a sponsor all season. I really do appreciate y'all. Hit them up. But of course, guys, we're getting close to the deadline. Are you a down ballot candidate who does not have any digital content and you would like to have a nice video shot? Please reach out to me. I have exactly what you need. Uh, scan the QR code, get in touch with me, and I promise you, I will hook you up at a very reasonable rate because I want to see you in. But you got to get your message out. All right? So hit me up, Black Pearl Studios. I am here for you. But more importantly, y'all, I get excited when our party, when I see the people on our party, I just know, like, this is America. This is Indiana. We, the people from all over Indiana, small towns, big towns, rural towns, suburban towns, people with, from all walks of life run for office in our party. 
It is not homogenous. We take, we love a kaleidoscope of humanity to run for office. And today is Mayor's Day. I've been talking to a lot of council folk, but today is Mayor's Day. I'm excited about it because nothing is more important than who is the leader calling the shots as the executive of your cities and towns. First up, y'all know how excited I am whenever I see a black woman on the ballot. Now let's, let's, let's get it real. Y'all may not feel no way kind of way about it, but I do. Because I know we are well underrepresented at all levels of government. Running for, to be the mayor of Peru, y'all give it up for Stephanie Grav. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Hey, everyone. Hello, Indiana's own Dana Black. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. Me and my team and my people. Shout out to Peru. I see you. I love it. I love it. And don't get it twisted. It's not just black around here. You know I love all my rainbow warriors. Y'all give it up. Running for the mayor of Greenfield, Nate Anderson. Nate, welcome to the show. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me, Dana. It's great to be here. I love it. So, guys, you know what? Both of y'all will make history if you win your election. I'm going to let ladies go first. Stephanie, what would it mean to make history in Peru, becoming the mayor of that beautiful city? Oh, it's a legacy moment for me. Um, I think that for anyone who grows up in a small town and um, being a person of a certain age, come on, and growing up in a small community in Indiana in the 70s, um, this is truly a moment to seize. We see more people moving of minority descent, moving to small towns in Indiana. And when we talk about red, it's not red, it's purple because they are people and we're proud. And to see me, um, I have my white brothers and sisters, my Native American and indigenous brothers and sisters, and everyone is saying, yes, yes, yes. And they're allowing education and experience and knowledge to oversee everything else. I am just, I'm in a moment right now. I love it. I love the way you express it. I'm right there with you, especially since I'm a woman of a certain age too. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Nate, talk about making history, bro. I, you know, I never really looked at it like that, uh, to be honest with you. Um, you know, because this race isn't about about me, and this is we don't do this for ourselves or to make history. This is about our community, right? This is about making positive, impactful change and being the voice of the people. Uh, and that's what's missing. I'm the, I'm a millennial. You know, I'm uh, I don't know the youngest mayor that has ever ran and and won here in Greenfield. Um, you know, uh, but we're missing that perspective. And what we need out here is someone who understands technology, someone who understands that we need to navigate this world where it's inclusive and equitable and folks from all walks of life are accepted uh, and their perspectives matter. Uh, we need to get back to where having a healthy debate about policy is completely okay because that's what makes our country great. Um, and, and we can disagree on policy, that's totally fine, but that's where that, that perspective 
um, that civil discourse. That's that's where we need to get back. To. And I agree and with I, that. I, yeah, it, yeah. I agree with that, but I will also say, bro, representation matters. It does. It does. One hundred percent. It really does. And I and I know my own personal struggles. Um, you know, of coming out. I served in the military. Don't ask, don't tell. Uh, was a part of that policy. You know, so I couldn't bring a significant other, you know, to family day events yep. or even speak yep. about it, right? That's the whole thing. Don't ask, don't tell. Yep. Um, and I remember even having, I was dating a guy at the time and I had a, de- a picture of us on my desk at work. Um, and everybody thought he was my brother. It was great. I love yeah. it. <laughs> Faking you know, it out. Yeah. Faking it out. And, and that's right. the thing. You don't have to hide yourself. You know, you don't have to hide exactly. yourself. You can just be out and be yourself. And you know what? Nothing, you know, love is love. And there's nothing greater than love. And the, the idea that you shouldn't be able to, you know, show the world who you love and it's somehow shoving it in people's faces. Every time I, I see a pregnant woman, wouldn't that be shoving it in my face? Oh, but that's okay. You see what I'm saying? And don't, don't get me wrong. I love seeing pregnant women. That's not my point. My point is you love who you love. And let's just put it out there like that. And let's just be about, you know, improving communities. And and one of the things I will always say, it doesn't matter if you're black or you're gay. You're not being you're not if you when you win your election, you're not the mayor of gay people or the mayor of black people. You're the mayor of all people. You just bring in a different perspective. All right, Nate, since you dove into it, we're going to start with you. Tell the people who you are and where you come from. Yeah, uh, well, I'm Nate Anderson and I uh, grew up on the southeast side of Indianapolis. Um my background heavy is in, in military. Uh, I've been in the military for almost 18 years now. Um, uh, almost 10 of which have been active duty. I have a combat vet deployed overseas to Iraq. I spent time in Gitmo and kind of little bits of missions across the United States. I still serve in the Guard. Um, I'm a police officer. I work for a school district as a school resource officer now. Wow. And, um, you know, at one point I worked out at the Hoosier Youth Challenge Academy. And I don't know if you know, some folks know about it, some folks don't, but it's a quasi-military academy for at-risk youth, these kids who are high school age, who the, the traditional school system just doesn't work for them. Um, and they can come out to the Who's Your Challenge Academy and, and get some discipline structure and go to school uh, while learning a trade or re, you know, doing credit recovery, uh, getting college credits is a real cool program. Um, but uh, my passion was kind of mixed with law enforcement and working with kids. And so that's how I, I came to working full time as a school resource. OK, so I love that that, that school and, and being school resource, uh, working as being a school resource officer. I have lots of questions because, you okay, know, come on. you know, we 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 are living in a um, uh, an incredibly violent space right now where especially in indiana you don't even have to have a permit to go just go pick up a gun and one of the things that's happening this year that's that's taking effect is that uh uh, school systems can now arm teachers um tell me how you i i one i worry about it because one teachers are already overworked and overburdened and underpaid and now we've asked them to take on one more role and that's be security guard as well as someone who's in these places uh, as a resource officer, talk about what you see and whether or not this is actually a good, I mean, because you may have a different perspective than me. Is it a good thing or what would you rather see? What would you rather off- offer up as an alternative to arming teachers? Sure. Um, there's several factors that are bleeding into that, uh, that has even made that an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we need to recognize that off the top. So. Having this uh, carry permit um, being basically abolished, now it's a constitutional carry in the, in, in the state of Indiana, we've seen an incredible uptick in gun violence 
Um, we've seen an uptick in juvenile arrests involving uh, possession of firearms. Um, I dealt with an incident today that was connected to uh, a situation from over the summer that was juveniles with firearms. Um, and, and so that's a problem um, because you can't purchase a firearm in Indiana, a, a pistol, um, under the age of 21. However, you can possess a pistol at 18 years old. It could be gifted to you. Mm. So uh, that's, that's worrisome because uh, that population uh, is obviously also in our in our schools. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not against firearms. What I would like is some education, no difference from hunter education, right? Why do we have hunter's education? Mm -hmm. Well, it's hunter ed is designed because what we used to get taught from our relatives when we go out and hunt, you know, weapon awareness, muzzle awareness, gun safety, all that stuff. It's just not being taught anymore like, like we used to. Um, so there needs to be an education piece and there needs to be a little bit of accountability and, and, uh, and whatnot. And that's one of the reasons I, I want to start a, a Citizens Academy out here in, in Greenfield, uh, where people can come. Uh, we're going to call it you know, responsible gun ownership class, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. About free gun locks. Um, I want them to understand the laws and liabilities, where you can carry, where you can't carry. What does it look like to actually safely store your weapon? Because a lot of guns are being stolen out of cars, being left unattended. Um, you know, locking those up in the glove box is an easy, easy solution. Lock them up in the trunk is an easy solution as well. Um, but also I want to talk about those folks who are having mental crisis mm -hmm. and uh, suicide prevention, mm -hmm. having those uh, mm -hmm. those type of educational points made during that uh, you know, point of instruction. Now, the Army and the teachers, these are educators. Um, and and I, our police department, we, we've had this conversation between my peers and we just don't don't agree with it. When folks are stressed, they lose their dexterity. Um, you know, a lot of things happen. Their fight or flight kicks in. A lot of natural biological mm -hmm. things are taking place. Um, as police officers, we go to training every year and we consistently build upon our training. And, and those stress factors are tested. Um, and we consistently have a significant amount more training than what is required of those educators that are chosen to go through a qualification course mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and and it could be very dangerous mm. um, very very dangerous also it's hard as a first responder if I'm going in to a scene a critical act of critical incident and and if you can just imagine horror because that's what it is uh, because you're going to a school where kids are possibly being murdered um, if I see an adult or someone with a gun that's not wearing a uniform I'm going to shoot them mm. I hadn't even thought of it like that Right, right. So it, it is, and as because we're not saying drive, you know, freeze, police. We're not drop the gun. No, no. You've already created and and have an act of violence where you're actively hurting people. Mm -hmm. Um, we're not saying you know drop the gun. You know, it's it's because we're we're way past you know we are way past that. So you uh, we call it blue on blue. Um, and there's actually a lot of studies out there, even officers in fully um, marked uniforms. Um, are being shot by responding officers mm -hmm. as well. Uh, that's always risk, and, and that's a risk that you can assist, the, you know, basically train to. Um, but man, it is it is scary stuff to to arm those educators and and give them very minimal amount of training. Um, 
And then, of course, you have the blue on blue. There's so many other factors that tie into that. Yeah. You know, that was probably the most thorough um, uh, answer that I've I've actually gotten. And I, I believe it's because you're a resource officer and, and the way that you process and your military experience, your police experience. No one ever even mentioned, no one's ever mentioned, I've never heard anyone say it, that as police officers, you see an adult with a gun in a school, you're going to shoot first, ask questions later. Like nobody, nobody's ever said that. And so basically what you're saying is not only is ar would arming teachers could potentially be harmful to children, it could literally be harmful to the teacher. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. You know, the officers, what I've done training events that, um, that has covered this blue on blue stuff like that, that I was talking about where officers in the heat of the moment, they're engaging in a critical incident, accidentally, unintentionally shoot another another officer and it's because they see a gun and it's, mm. it's a part of this human biological process that's taking place and again you can reduce that through many many hours of intense training but that's um, not what our teachers are getting are not going to get that no, yeah they're not no. going to get it um, because you know you're looking at factors like what's their contract say because they're part of the you know they're part of their union right mm -hmm. so um i know that with our school district you know nine o'clock at the elementary schools that's when teachers are open the door because that's when their time starts that's what their contract says right um you know right at the end of the day they're closing their doors that's it all right contract says i'm done for the day see you bye um and uh and so you have those factors too like when you bring these folks in how do you mm -hmm. compensate them what does that piece look like um it is just best to have your school, you know, your school, there's grants out there um, that are matching grants where you can hire a police officer that and, and get them certified, tier one certification. Um, that means they go through the ALEA mm -hmm. uh, program, Law Enforcement Academy. Uh, they get fully qualified, fully trained, and then they're mandated to have at least a minimum of 24 hours of additional training to include firearm training mm -hmm. every year. Um, on top of being a certified school resource officer, has additional training. Yeah, that you have but I, I, I just, I still struggle with having, even depending on the school district, I would even struggle with having uh, police officers because of the relationships in certain communities. So I, 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 I don't sure. know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's like I mentioned, there's a lot of factors that play into it. Yep. And I will tell you that the police department needs to reflect the community it serves. As, say that again. I was saying that at the okay. Lawrence Mayor. That we're not gonna go there. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, <laughs> so it does, you know, because uh, you need to hire from that demographic because, you know, I don't know what it's like to to be Hispanic. I don't know what it's like to, you know, even though I'm married, you know, proudly married to uh, my a Mexican immigrant, my husband, Marco. Um, Which I love. I and I can't wait to, to spend some more time with him. Yeah. So, uh, but, but he's allowed me to see a lot more of his culture. I still still missing quite a bit of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, so, yeah, because unless you walk in those shoes, you, 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 can, you can read about it, empathize and understand, but you still really, really just don't know. Let me, exactly. let me get to, let me get to Miss Stephanie here. Stephanie, tell the people who you are and where you come from. Okay, well, I'm Stephanie. Um, I think that um, public servitude has been with me ever since I was born. Um, but getting to it, I, the little town that I'm in, Peru, um, is a beautiful place. I am honored to be here in this position now, um, proving that I'm worthy of being the mayor. 
um, I'm even as bold as to say I'm the only qualified person <laughs> in the race right now. Claim yes, it. Yes, I said that. Claim it. Uh, but I am a Peru high school graduate. After high school, um, I did like most young people. I couldn't wait to get out of here. So I went to the United States Army. I am a retiree, disabled veteran, 18 years service. I went to work for the state of Indiana. Um, most people who work in um, the government at the county and city municipal and state levels know there's not a lot of money in state employment. Mm -hmm. And one day I got a, an audit from a federal um, inspector and he said, you are really good. He said, do you know if you go to work for the federal government, you will triple your salary overnight? I couldn't wait to leave. And so I started working for the federal government. And um, I left Washington, D.C., which was my last post in um, October of 2020 uh, during COVID. I was allowed to come home and work in Peru and um, made the choice to retire um, because a um, my niece's mother had passed away, mm -hmm. um, COVID-related complications, mm -hmm. lupus. So here I was in Peru, and I was retired, and I was going to have an opportunity to sip mimosas and have a great life, <laughs> and I wasn't through serving people. So I founded a business here, Garnet Killian, where we do all the things that they can't find in a small town, notary, copying, scabbing, faxing. Um, faxing? I am a... You're not faxing no more, are you? Well, we are faxing, <laughs> honey. Um, look, uh, I'm still getting checks for donations. So um, we, we, we uh, fixing uh, that at Act Blue. We fixing that. Okay, <laughs> come with us. And um, so then I am a certified grants writer. We need grants. So um, I um, was a grant management specialist in my last federal position and um, a certifying officer. I've also um, am recognized in contracts as well. So um, I, I thought this is really great. Um, I was doing a lot of this in the business, but we needed a nonprofit. Mm. You have uh, the demographics in small towns are changing so drastically that when you have somebody where English is the second language mm -hmm. or you have somebody who has had to flight from Ukraine or from somewhere else where they were in danger and they're in a small community now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. International food, where do I get that from? Mm -hmm. um, who can speak with me if I want to fill out immigration paperwork? What do I do if I did not understand the law and I mistaked it? There mm -hmm. are so many different things. And so I have a nonprofit called Lily's House. Okay. And what we do is we provide support, we provide resources, information, fact-finding, assistance in the courtrooms to individuals who are multiracial, multicultural. We help out families who have opened their hearts and love to minority children, and they are non-minority, and they don't understand some of the cultural essences. Mm -hmm. um, 
in small towns in Peru, for example, we don't have a barber or beautician who stands out and says, yes, I do mm-hmm. minority hair. Right. And right. so we, there are all these little nuances. And so we found a niche with the nonprofit that was very important. So it's very satisfying to me. But I also went to every city council meeting from the time I moved home. Okay. And as I was going to the city council meetings, I was, I, I'm a union. I've been a union um, person representing people moving up through the national level for the last 20 years. And when I hear, um, well, that's the way we've always done Uh. it. It went right up my spine. And I noticed that Robert's rules of order are lost, position descriptions, job descriptions, nepotism is high in a small town. And just recently, we had a very extreme issue in a small town. When you say we found $750,000, that's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. My question, and the reason why I'm running for mayor is I need to understand how it was even lost. So I am seasoned, well-trained, and I'm not a politician. Wait, wait, hold it, hold it, hold it. I got to stop you. I usually stop people when they say that, because I'm going to tell you something. Would you go to a dentist who calls them, says that they're not a dentist? I need my politicians to claim it. Claim it. You may not have been elected before, but you are definitely a politician. All right, I'm done. Go back to your story. God love you. <laughs> yes, Dana. I um, I don't see myself as a politician in what we would think of as what we see in Washington, D.C. Right there now. you go. Now, John Lewis, I claim that. It would be an honor to be in the same levels as John. It would be an honor to be in the same levels as Senator Ben Cardin or Senator Chris Van Hollen. These are people who I worked with in Washington, D.C., and I have the utmost respect for them. But in a small town where government and politics is ground level, it's grassroots, I wear cowboy boots every day. Me too. Not every day, but I I got seven pair. I got seven pair. um, And um, when you're at that level, then people need to know that you can serve them. Yeah. I can't serve you without feeling it's disrespectful to me because when I was a child here, I don't feel like I was served Mm. in the same way. I felt there was a disparate treatment. And unfortunately, since our president prior to our current president, there has been a problem and a disconnect with disparate treatment again, but we're better than that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're not going to let that defined and determined who we are. I love it. Both of you have a, a, a solid, solid military background. And thank you for your service, because I'm a chicken. I was never going to do it. Like, you had me at crawling through the mud. What? No, I'm done. Um, and so I thank y'all for doing what I sure as heck couldn't do. But do you, what about your military training do you think prepares you to be in the executive level? And I'm, I don't care whoever wants to start first. I mean, there's got to be something there. Talk about I tell it. You. Nate, go for it. 
Okay, yeah. Oh, you're gonna... Well, thank you, Nate, and thank you for your service. I, I would tell you, it was standing in fear. It was standing in the face of fear. Um, I was the only girl in my family, in my immediate family. And so I, I was spoiled. And in basic training, no one had ever talked to me like that before <laughs> in my natural life. And I, I was ready to go. I was ready to go back home. I, I didn't have to be there. And, um, and so uh, I learned to find who I was within me. And that's what the military did. It told me, you are not second rate. You are not a second class citizen. You are strong. You are the brightest of the bright, the best of the best. Isn't that what they tell us, Nate? And I came out a hero and a champion, and I wasn't the person that I was indoctrinated to be growing up. I was a fighting warrior, and I could fight for everybody. And um, that's what the Army teaches you. It teaches you discipline. It taught me that um, I was only challenged by what I felt within my heart and my spirit that I could do. Mm. And once I knew that, that it was all within me, oh, that was it. Sky was the limit. Sky was the limit. Nate? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why they start you off with these obstacle courses, right? Uh, I mean, not only is it uh, you're, you're testing your, your inner self and your own capabilities, but it's also about team building. Um, and, and regardless of where you're from, you are thrown into this melting pot of a basic training unit. Uh, and these folks, like my one of my, they called them battle buddies back then. I can't remember what they call them now, warrior companions, or I don't know. But anyways, but it's different. It's different. But, um, you know, my guy was from the Bronx. He was my bunkmate. Um, uh, and and so having that culture clash was was beautiful in its sense. We had a guy from Italy that his dad served over in Italy, his Met his, met his mom over there and stuff and uh, went from there. So dogs are That's not That's all right. right. Dogs are okay. We They happen. <laughs> so, um, yes, I would agree. Discipline, honor, the work ethic, um, the problem-solving skills that, that it, it forces upon you. So they give you doctrine. They say, hey, this is what we have to do, right? Here, this is the doctrine. This is the standing operating procedure. Um, but when this doesn't work, it is okay to throw it to the side and be creative. As long as you meet your objective, it doesn't matter how you get there. Okay. And that's one of the okay. ways it teaches you to kind of think outside the box, to be creative, to uh, tap into that, that coming togetherness, that teamwork atmosphere to, to basically, you know, accomplish that, that objective or that mission, that job, whatever you've got going on. So. You know, being the executive of of a city, it's going to take you being a very dynamic leader because um, you're dealing with folks from all different walks of life, different backgrounds, um, and uh, and that's that's very important to have that leadership skill set to bring folks together 
um, and and to to do good work on behalf of the city and behalf of the people. Man, I am feeling so good about you too. Um, guys, if you are liking what these wonderful candidates are talking about, I have included their ActBlue donate links. So consider donating to their campaigns. Five, 10, $15. Every little bit goes a long way. I mean, these are already solid leaders. You hear the commitment to community and service that these two are talking about. So please donate to Stephanie Graff for Mayor Peru and Nate Anderson, Mayor of Greenfield. Donate to their campaigns and help them out. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into your campaign. Nate, tell the people the three reasons that you highlight the most as to why you are running for mayor of Greenfield. Yeah, okay. Uh, look, I was not impressed, you know. Uh, th this, this is the city where Marco and I will eventually raise our kids. Um, and as I looked at our political landscape, um, I just I just wasn't impressed. I knew we could do better. Um, and trying to navigate even our website, uh, the city's website, 20 years outdated, you know, based on three columns, um, you could tell that we're not necessarily embracing the technology we need to. Um, and, and so that's like, well, looking around, I just was like, well, it, it, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. Who's actually running? You know, I kind of took a look. I heard that... Uh, that our current mayor is retiring. I'm like, okay, well, it kind of helps even the playing field a little bit. There's no incumbent there. Um, I looked at the other Republican primary candidates at the time. Um, again, I uh, wasn't necessarily impressed with, with their standings or, or lack of standings or lack of policies. Uh, so I was like, well, if I can't sit around and just keep on griping about things, uh, you know, with, with a cocktail, you know, with my buddies around a table at its, you know, establishment. Uh, it's time to stop talking about it, starting, you know, it's time to, to be about it. If not me, then who? That's um, it. And, and so it's just one of those things out of pure frustration and, and knowing that I do have the skill sets uh, needed to lead the city. I, I definitely have the capability. Mm -hmm. um, I said, you know what? Let, let's let's pull the sugar on this. And so I was able to sit down with the, uh, the, the chair out here in Hancock County. We had a, a good conversation. She even bought me coffee. I love it. And uh, and so we kind of got the ball rolling there. And and here's what was really beautiful about this. Um, and maybe I just maybe at one moment I, I subconsciously I surrounded myself by just amazing people. But in ten days I had a full team. Wow. And I had people volunteered to do marketing. That volunteered to do the social medias to help me out with that. Um, uh, my husband put together my website. Um, and and so it was purely amazing um, and then now we have a slew of volunteers that help out um, and my marco and my mom you know they're my biggest cheerleaders i'm super blessed to have them and the, all, the, all the other volunteers but it's because we believe in in a better future and it's not just here but this is where we start we start local yeah. um, local is what impacts our day-to-day -day lives I and mean, it affects education it affects our opportunities uh, for the future. So, but what are the three um, I, issues? Like, there's always everybody. Every campaign has like three issues. Hit them. Three. Yeah. They, usually, most people I, have more. I, but we are fixing to grow by fourteen thousand folks. Okay. The next. Okay. So, we have incredible growth. When I was a kid, Indianapolis was booming. Southeast side where I grew up, um, and. I remember having to have school in some of these trailers, they call them learning pods. And the student teacher ratio was just at the um, And I kind of felt like I might have a learning disability or something. I felt dumb. I had very low self-esteem when it comes to my education. 
And it wasn't until me going to the military realizing I, I got this. And then I went to college and they, you know, uh, yeah, I was like, I totally have this. What, what happened? Well, it was the student teacher ratio. I wasn't getting the help. So I foresee that happening here. And so one of the things I want to work with, make sure our, uh, as we grow responsibly, but we have that partnership with the school, making sure that, you know, our kiddos have the, the education they have and the, and the school district have the resources and really build that positive relationship. So there's that rebranding downtown. That's another thing we want to accomplish because let's just face it. People want walkability. They want accessibility. And if we want to keep on bringing those mom and pop shops in, which is usually the foundation of a small community like ours of 24,000, uh, well, they want to have a place to go and, and they want it to be cute and have curb appeal and, and all these things. So that's one thing we want to work on too. And then finally, unfortunately, Elenco is moving out. Uh, Elenco is a multi-billion dollar company that um, that is the biggest company that Greenfield has mm. uh, that are due to tax abatements and a deal that was struck with Indianapolis and the state, uh, they are moving to Indianapolis. So um, that is a huge revenue stream that uh, the city's losing. Um, Sorry and, about that. Uh, yeah, I understand. Uh, so we need to make sure we can do some infilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very unique, it's, it's, a, it's a very unique lab oriented um, medical plant. So it's a very unique type of setting that going to require a unique industry to come take it over supposedly the state said they promised somebody to to, to take it over they'll find a company to, to infill but um that has yet to be decided or broadcasted okay yeah. there's no enforcement action to those things but it's just a just a promise so those are the type top top three things that we're, we're focusing on okay just- okay and miss stephanie what three issues are you focusing on in peru my priorities as mayor, the first um, has to be um, affordable housing. We have a, we are very um, poor when it comes to housing here. Mm. That's going to be our first thing. Um, we've got to figure out a way to make it that people can live here. We recently, um, the current administration built um, supported the building of a number of apartments. Um, we are a tier three community. We are very um, we could do better mm-hmm. with doing for our people and a two bedroom apartment that rents for thirteen or fourteen hundred dollars is not cost effective. It's not even something we can actually look at in a community that has a livable wage that is much lower than that. Um, The second thing is public safety. Public safety, we must increase our our blue line here. Mm -hmm. We've got to, we are short of police officers in small towns. The rate of pay is lower than some of your bigger cities. Mm -hmm. And um, if you're a new officer and you're looking at family and the all the things that we hope to have in the American dream, we're not your first thought for uh, longevity. And so what we have to do is we have to look at um, making it more advantageous for 
our law enforcement and fire department staff to um, feel that this is a good choice for them for the long term. Um, and public safety also with there is a lot of international and foreign purchase of properties and buildings and small communities land and mm -hmm. with that we're seeing um kind of like what we saw with china and wisconsin i believe it is maybe michigan as well um we're seeing that in indiana and we're seeing it here locally and when you bring people in who are not from small towns um everybody loves to look at building and growing but when people move from one place to another just like when i was stationed in germany i took my american values and my american ways of doing things when i went to germany that's the same thing if someone moves from an urban area and um maybe is wanting to bring something that is not appropriate mm. well, it doesn't and fit so, it doesn't quite fit it doesn't fit and so um it's okay to be different it's it's not okay to be illegal and you know <laughs> we have a lot of young people and um people that are coming to the community you know that talk about having the good good you know well i need law enforcement officers who can handle the jail jail because um we we, we just can't do that quality of life for children i love our schools here and i love the families here i love church on sunday and there is a right to have that type of life and and it's okay if you know that's not the life you choose for yourself but we sit at two major highways us 24 and us 31 and we are a pathway for a lot of things that um i don't want to see in our community so public safety and finally the last thing is jobs with a livable wage mm -hmm. in small towns we do a lot to protect the small town employer but i feel like um for the last 30 years looking at the communities that are around us who have grown and they have elevated we haven't and what we have done is i was involved in the 15 dollar um minimum in washington dc here we still have employers that are holding tightly to that seven dollar and 25 cent wow. um, and they don't want any other employers to come in here so that's crazy yeah it's crazy so we've got manufacturing opportunities here when i was in washington i was involved one of the states that i represented um for grants we got to see how when you take people who are manufacturing and actually teach them robotics and they go from making 14 dollars an hour which was big wages to now making 25 dollars an hour because we've taught them this then that's where i want to take peru too i want jobs with a livable wage i have been to the high school i talked to our kids here and I got to give a shout out to my kids because some of them said they were going to be watching this tonight. And I just want them to know I heard you. I don't think you're lazy. 
Mm. I do think that you are not heard. One of the kids told said that um, TV has been his babysitter since he was eight years old. Mm. And when they feel like we are not talking to them, when we're not listening to them, they told me to tell you that the kids that you see tearing up stuff and breaking down the community is not all of them. Of course not. And they want a chance. And in my administration, I want to give them a chance. I think I, I think you guys are hitting on some really important things in your communities. And, and I want to uh, come back to something that you both are talking about um, collectively in your towns. And that is um, livable wages and job opportunities. Um, you, Nate, you talked about a, a major company leaving. So, I mean, Indianapolis is happening. I, I, I'm sorry that, and I, I really feel bad. But at the same time, I'm like, it's Indianapolis. <laughs> and at the, but but you you're talking about bringing in those those opportunities, and and Stephanie, you're talking about retooling people for the for the next for the next wave of things. Nate, you talked about technology and people understanding technology. How will you in your administration? Because you can't do it all, right? But you can assign people to do things. You can delegate, right? How will you delegate to making sure that uh, the right technology is getting into the right hands to retool your citizens for the next opportunities for those livable wage jobs that are coming down the street? I think I think you have to have a, a really good holistic approach to that. I mean, that, uh, the person that's going to be in charge of this is going to be somebody who's young and, and, and understands or has that background, whether it's the educational background or, or the actual physical working background. Um, you know, there's so many employers that ding folks, for example, not having that education piece and they kind of negate or overlook the work experience. But I have worked with so many soldiers and, and, and officers that have no college, but they have all this work experience. Um, and they are incredibly uh, intelligent. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we're gonna have to put feelers out there and we're gonna have to bring the community in. Um, and, and that's what I want, that's what I want to do and see what the best practices is. Now, the beautiful thing about being in this position um, and my, our population out here is about 20, just shy of 25,000 folks, um, is that we don't have to recreate the wheel. Mm -mm right like communities across this state and communities across this country are already killing it um you know and so reaching out to those folks and saying hey you know what's working how do you all do that and tailoring something um that they've already kind of started uh to fit our demographics here to fit our society here is completely doable we don't have to just uh be inventors 24 yeah. 7 out here, you know? i like that Mayor Stephanie, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm claiming it for you already. I'm sorry. It is, it is, it is, yeah. and there's two st uh, black women named Stephanie running for mayor in the state of Indiana. Yes. So I'm feeling all that. Both of them going to be mayors. Go right ahead. Yes. Um, I, one of the things that just keeps sticking with me is I am proof positive that you don't have to have a four year degree. Okay. I'm proof positive. I went into the army. I'm proud to be a veteran of the United States Army. But also when I walk in and I talk to these kids and I tell them I made six digits without a college education, 
there is a way to do it. And that's what I'm going to take into the mayor's office. First thing we're going to do is we've got to go ahead and look at where we can get these kids and these young adults and these individuals who have to go into retraining because manufacturing has changed into the Ivy Techs and the IUKs, um, the trade schools. We, I am union through my born, bones. I was born to union people. I have walked picket lines. I'm not saying anything about right now, but you're not crossing picket lines. And um, I am very much a diehard believer that we need to get people excited about the trades again. Right. We need to get them excited about, I've got two individuals here. One is licensed and trained to do plumbing here. The other one does, um, oh, what is that? Heating and air conditioning, HVAC. Yeah. He has nobody to leave his businesses to. Wow. Both of these gentlemen, show these young people, show these individuals that need to be retrained, give them an opportunity. I mean, we have... Um, so will you, will you like put like a, a an office in place or will you have like a somebody that's going to lead that program for you? Yes, there are two offices that I want to do. I would like to have someone who deals with workforce development. It's one thing to say you have an economic development advisory board, but if you don't have somebody who understands the needs and the transitions in your workforce development component, then your grants are very... Um, one-sided and you're not getting everything you need in order to develop and elevate these people. The other person that I want to put in there is a minority and women's and small business advisor. Mm. We don't have one of those and I don't think we understand where we are missing the mark with that. So we need somebody who can help small businesses. Small businesses shouldn't just keep people at $5 plus tips or $7.25. What they need to be saying is right now, my people can only make $7.25. This is what I can pay them. Show me how in five years, I can get those people up to where they deserve to be. Right, because they love their employees. They want to keep their employees. I love that. I love that vision. See, and that's what we want. We want people in those leadership roles that have that vision. And you all, you all, you both admitted it. And like, you're like, I don't have to know everything. I just know I got to find the right people and put them in the right spots. And I just wanted to speak to that because, you know, we see what's happening, right? We see if we don't, we, we had the clown talking four years ago about what I, or whatever, seven, eight years ago, I can, I can save the jobs in Indianapolis. I, they won't close down. Well, the business is going to do what they're going to do. And if, and they have every right to do it. I think our role in government and as government leaders are to, okay, what, now that the business left, how do we take care of the people? And one of the things that we got to do, regardless of the age of the individual is retool them. And honestly, like young people still have like their whole life ahead of them. I'm always worried about that 54 year old, that 55 year old that has to get retooled. So, cause they still got another 10, 15 years of work and you know, ageism is real. Right. So and as long as we have that vision, as technology changes, as industries change, I want I'm hoping as that all people are asking mayors to be, how do we retool? What will you do to make sure people are ready for the next thing? Even if the, the carpet is ripped out from under them, what is your plan to make sure that people have what they need? And I appreciate both of you guys speaking to that. Man, can y'all believe 
our hour is up already. Like it went by so fast because I tell you what, the both of you are very, very interesting people and you both have engaging energies that just suck people in. And I could have just shut up and listened to y'all both talk all night. So I want to thank you for, for spending time with us, but Nate, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, you can take a look at uh, our website, nate4mayor.com. That's the number four. So nate, number four, mayor.com. That's the website. I'm on all the socials except for Snapchat. So, uh, but all the links are there. And uh, do you have any events coming up? Uh, we actually are doing a virtual phone banking. Uh, first go is going to be this October 1st. So Sunday, uh, we're getting together. Uh, more details will follow uh, on that. We're going to probably at the library to set that up. Uh, get a room back there but yeah that's it and then of course we have the riley days are coming up that's going to be the first full weekend of october uh there's going to be a parade on saturday uh which is what is that the sixth i think so yeah yeah so the sixth yeah the sixth seventh i'm sorry seventh. saturday yeah so uh we have the riley days festival which is huge it's a four-day event right huge. down here yeah we shut down state road nine and, and 40 which is main street and State Street here in Greenfield, um, and we it's it's a it's a pretty cool pretty cool time. So I love it. By. We have the booth every single day, uh, talking to folks, and I hope y'all can make it. You know, I have to be honest. Like, I know everybody knows I live in Marion County, so that's that's home base, and it's gonna always be a number one. And the folks down in Monroe County, they think they got number two. And that's like as my girl lived there, so I'm gonna let them think that. But when I ran for office. Hancock County showed up and showed out for me way back in 2016. And that's why whenever you see me in Hancock, it's because they said, Dana, can you? And I say, yeah, when you need me there. I love the work that the, you guys are doing over in Hancock County. You guys always have Indiana's own support. I probably won't be able to phone back with you because I got some digital content that I'm creating. But I'm so proud that you're running in one of my favorite counties. I love the people over in Hancock County. Um, and go help him out, phone bank, y'all. All right, Miss 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 Stephanie, tell the people where they can find you. Yes, Dana. I am October the 5th. I will be at the Peru High School Auditorium at 6 o'clock. We will be doing a mayor's debate. Oh, I extend an invitation to you, Dana, if you're driving down 31 and you feel like stopping in. What, what is the I date again? October the 5th. Dang it. I will not be here. I will be in St. Louis. Okay. I got to go well, for the for work. The plans change. You're always welcome. I appreciate and so it. We will be having that that evening. We've got some other things planned, um, but please go to my website, perumare.com. Yes, I took the name. So, uh, perumare.com. I can't believe it was available. <laughs> I, I couldn't either. I was like, well, we are going to take this. Honey. So, um, this is like when, when Indiana's Own was available. I was like, nobody's got indianazone.com. I'll just snatch that up. And we're on Facebook at Stephanie Graff for Mayor. And um, the people in Peru, um small town they see where my office is stop in anytime and let's chat because i am truly the people's mayor i love it y'all guys i'm telling y'all my heart is full tonight talking to two of you two mayors running in small towns but but important towns where people need real leadership and i'm gonna give a shout out to mayor gabe uh, he, he's, he's stepping down uh, up in Peru. Uh, I met him through my partner 
and I've been to Peru a couple of times, but just, you know, he has been so insightful in, in what it is to be Democrats in small towns for me, because, you know, I'm, I'm big town, right? Or, you know, I can go in with all the extra liberal stuff. He was like, nah, Dana, everybody looking for the next boogeyman. We're not trying to give him any more boogeyman. And like, he really made me see small town Democrats very differently. And that's why I really appreciate Gabe. So Gabe, Mayor Gabe, thank you for your service. Uh, I, I was worried when you said you were you were stepping down, but I, you know, Stephanie right there ready to take over. So guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, there will not be a show next week. Sorry, uh, but I'm already in uh, talks with the guests that I had scheduled so that we can do uh, an, a pre-recorded show for them because I want you to hear from these candidates. I'm gonna, I'll get those out like I did uh, with my girl, Miss um, Mitchell, who was running. So you guys can still hear from these candidates. So there will not be a show next week. And then it's probably not one the following week either, but I have to check my calendar. I tell you what, I, I hate canceling these shows. That's why I'm trying to ask y'all what day. I'm thinking like a Tuesday, like maybe Tuesday night. I don't gonna do monday because that's football <clears throat> not gonna lie to y'all i like football too um and so i don't think tuesday seems like a a kind of a bland night nothing going on so oh except oh election night oh then we could do big election night shows okay see i'm already thinking it's gonna be tuesday i'd have made up my mind um so just tune in guys indiana's on dana black turn left we are always going to bring you the candidates the issues that matter vote support these candidates donate to stephanie graff and nate anderson so they can win these elections they need to buy yard signs they need to buy water for their volunteers they got to pay for the phone bank links and all the things right help these candidates out five dollars is all it takes click on their links i will have them on the recording um and just i love y'all paying attention and sticking around for longer than an hour but in the i will holla at y'all next time peace turn left is the property of black girl it solutions executive producer indiana's own dana black music by www.bensound.com